everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time with Tommy, the pro wrestling podcast with Tommy, Norbs, and me, Brittany. So on this very special episode, we have a legend, a Hall of Famer, Bushwhacker Luke. Thank you so much for joining us today. Whoa, good day, mateys. It's great to be on your show. And all my fans out in Ontario, Canada, how you bloody well doing, guys? That was beautiful. Wow. I will classic, remember classic. That. I'll always remember that, Bushwhacker Luke. So first things first, Bushwhacker Luke, what inspired you to become a pro wrestling um, wrestler? Didn't even know what pro wrestling was, mate, uh, darling. His next-door neighbor um, was a bodybuilder, and he went in a contest for Mr. New Zealand. And the judge, he came second in the contest. The judge said to him, would you like to make some money with that body? And he says, what are you talking about? He says, come into Coolman's Gymnasium in Wellington. That's the capital city in New Zealand. And, um, and uh, we have a rest. We have two rings there. And um, see what you think about becoming a professional wrestler. So he was doing it for about six months. And then he dragged me with him into the gym. And that it was an old gym like, like in the first Rocky movie. The old steam pipes rattling and all that sort of stuff. All the all the dumbbells were laying around the floor. There was no racks. There was only a there was a, a bench press rack and a squat machine, and that was it. There was everything was scattered all over the place, and two rings, and the floors and the rings were as hard as the floor I'm standing on now. So um, I started going to the gym with them, and that, and um, I'd never been to a wrestling match and never seen it. We had we we didn't even have television in New Zealand until 1967. And I'm talking about 61, 1961. So anyhow, my second wrestling match, I went to live, and that it was 100 miles away from the capital city. One of the guys never arrived. Next minute, I got a pair of boots thrown to me and a tank top, and I had and I had a pair of jeans on, and I was in the ring. How's that? Amazing, amazing. Wow. Yeah, wow. and wow. I don't remember a bloody thing about the match. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing and then i saw a couple of wrestling magazines american magazines and that and um blah 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 and um anyhow it was all english style wrestling in new zealand then you know european english style wow yep it was it wasn't that's american excellent. style mm, mm. european wrestling yes absolutely uh wow that was amazing. Like, man, we could just sit here all day listening to your stories, Bushwhacker Luke. I have to ask a uh, question is you've gone, you've been traveling uh, with a mirror, of course, your uh, tag team partner, uh, Butch, uh, in, the pa- in your career. So many memories uh, traveling around the world was probably really exciting. What is the most memorable things that you can tell us, you can share, Bushwhacker okay, Luke? Okay, then the most memorable time was in the last show in Wembley Stadium in England. In, in London, it was the last show of any kind of show there before they pulled it down and built the new one. It was um, 1992 or 91. It was a, it, it was um, Bret Hart against Davy Boy, you know the British Bulldog, and then um, I don't know what year that was, uh, 91 or 92, and it was some. But it was, was it SummerSlam? Huh? SummerSlam 92. Yeah, was that yeah. the one? Yeah, it was. Yeah, 1992. 
there was 96,400 or 94,600, one of the other people there. And, of course, you know, a big arena like that, the people start coming in an hour before the show to get and that. So um, they come in an hour and a half because it's such a big building. Anyhow, we were the first match. And, um, of course, the first match is the people are dying to see something after sitting around for so long. And it was a six-man. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Butch and me against the Nasty Boys in the Mountie. And then we march out and you look up and you see that crowd. And there's, um, we get in the ring and we all march over the ropes, Duggan following us, and we put our heads through the ropes. Butch does a woe, I do the yay, and the uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan does a ho. (laughs) And we could have done that for 10 minutes. We went to the we went to every rope, the four ropes, and did it. Put our heads under the top rope and did our did our usual ha ha and that. And the people were, it was insane. The aura in the building, well, well, it's an open air place, was crazy. And that the match was so it, the, the the noise level never went down from the, through the whole match. And that and it was the opening match. And that we had the people that was. Hey, I can't explain how it was. You oh, got to you got to be in that ring <laughs> with that crowd, ninety six thousand looking down at you, and that, and, and being in there performing. Yeah, definitely. SummerSlam '92 was uh, one of my favorite uh, pay per view events, and the crowd in in London, England, was just amazing, like from beginning to finish, and and uh, you being the opening match, especially to to get the crowd going. Uh, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, that's that's the way to to, to start the show, right? So yeah, uh, a lot of people, incredible. a lot of uh, mate, a lot of the boys and that they think ah, first match, oh, that's for jabronis, and that <laughs> but that first match is the one who gets that crowd. You know, if the first yes. match is a you know a, a piece of SHIT. It takes a while to wind the crowd up, you know, maybe till the third match when you get the people involved. And once that first match and you get them, the crowd are there for the night. Bush awesome. always got the crowd involved, always. You guys yes. always got the total, total fan favorites. And, uh, yeah, speaking of fan favorites, you, you were really popular with the fans with uh, Butch. Um, I got to ask, like, how did the uh, signature Bushwhacker walk come about? That was um, Vince said to us when we when we went up there we went up as heels. Don't forget when we went to WWE we were we were blood and guts heels. You know for NWA. You know they called us one of the most violent blood blood and gut team. We were hardcore before hardcore became a name brand. In other words, mm. and all of a sudden we go and do that sort of stuff. And Vince says, "I want you to be be between the sheep herders and the moon dogs." And Butch says to me, well, the sheep, the sheep herders have been on TBS and TNT, you know, Turner Network for the last 10 years, off and on and that. And then the Moondogs have been on USA Network for Vince and that. And he says, you know, let's create something different. And we used to, when we went out the ring, we used to throw our arms up and, and you know, scream at the people as heels. Wow, yay, you know what I mean? As to try and scare the people and throw throw our arms up in the air. So we just turned it around and then Butch came and said, let's march to the ring. And hence we started marching, swinging our arms and there we are. We had that bloody the Bushwhacker. 
that's the thing that people remember us. They, they, they don't remember the wrestling for the Bushwhackers. They remember, as Jesse Ventura would say, here come the two marching morons. I just remember me and my brother when we were younger, uh, Bushwhacker Luke, doing that, like, walk in the living room. And my parents would be like, what are you two doing? And we're like, hey, mom, dad, we're doing the Bushwhacker walk. It's just it's so famous. Yeah, you know, in 89, in the end of 88, 89, people in the NFL, when, when, when they went over the line and scored, they would do the walk in the, in the end zone. You know, I remember. That's how, that's how popular it got at that time, you know, around the 90s. That's incredible. And then we, we talked about the Bushwhacker walk. What about your actual name, Bushwhacker? Where did that come from? We were the sheep herders in that. And when we went up and saw Vince and that, you know, he, he blah, 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 said to us, I want you as baby faces and all that BS. And, um, and, and then we went home. He said, I'm going to bring you up to do vignettes for the next two weeks. You know, I bring you, uh, next, next month, I'm going to bring you up one day a week and you all day you'll do vignettes and that's how we'll get you over. There wasn't no Monday Night Raw then. It was, um, you know, Monday night, or they, Tuesday night. There was different nights of television because they had all the NBC, ABC, CBS stations, plus they had um, USA Network. And um, so we go home anyhow and two days later, Butch friends me up and he says, look, I just got these uh, papers from WWF contracts and that, but it's sort of, they've given us, this must be sent to the wrong people. He says, he says to me, they've got bushwhackers there. And I told him, said straight away, Butch, they want to own us. You know, Vince, Vince uh, registers the name, changes your name and register. Well, then he pays you a percentage on merchandise. If he uses your name, you know, you get a bigger percentage, of course. He likes to create his own names for his stars. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we merchandise and that, you know, we did good in merchandise, but not, not like we would have if we had our own name used. You know, you know what I mean? Like the Road Warriors. That's why he called them the Legion of Doom up there. So he owned the Legion of Doom name. And all the merchandise at the time was under Legion of Doom. No, like yeah. uh, that's that name brand that always sticks with all of us, um, all of yeah. us wrestling fans. I have to ask, so I, I, I you probably asked this a lot in your uh, illustrious career, uh, Bushwhacker Luke, but where did that, whoa, yay, that's just one of the bo- most amazing sayings I've ever heard in wrestling history. Where did that click? Where did that, how'd you guys create that? Like, where did that come from? So we, as heels, when we went out the ring and that did something and jumped out the ring, we would swing our arm up and go at the people. You know, they'd be booing us and we'd go, whoa! And I would do the yay, you know what I mean? That came That came when we were heels. When we were mentioned that we were going into the Hall of Fame, all, Facebook was alive to say, why are you putting those two idiots in the Hall of Fame? They, you know, they came into WWE in their latter age. No one knew that we had started touring around the world in 1966. Mm. I started in this business in 1962, and Bush started in 66. And we tagged up then, and we started leaving, going out of New Zealand. Well, we started going out of New Zealand in 66 and 68, 69, and then we came over to North America in 72. Now, the fans, when they saw us going to the Hall of Fame, no one knew this. They didn't know that we'd wrestled um, names like 
um, High Chief Peter Mavia, who is The Rock's grandfather. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. We worked with mm-hmm. him in Australia, New Zealand, and, and that because Peter had a home in New Zealand, you know, being Samoan. And we worked, we wrestled um, Killer Kowalski, who sold out Madison Square Gardens in the 60s and 70s. You know, we wrestled with him. We even wrestled Stu Hart. You know, the Hart. Wow. The the Hart's um, dad. Brad and Owen's dad. No one, you know, this all came out later. You know what I mean? And then they started going back and they realized. We were in the, one of the weird in Jerry Park in 1973. That that broke the record at North America at the time, or one of the biggest houses, thirty thousand in Jerry Park, and that was in 1973. And that the park where they had the Olympic Games in the 60s. Wow! Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah you definitely yeah you definitely mentioned uh, so many of the uh, the legends in in that in that comment there. Um, as you mentioned, Jerry Park, uh, I believe that's uh, in, in Montreal that you, that you guys wrestled on. The Bashons. Um, yeah, the Bashons yes, owned that yeah. territory. And, yeah. and we worked against Morris and Paul many times. You know, Mad Dog Vachon and, and Butcher Vachon. Uh, would that uh, be considered your, your toughest match in, in your career against the Vachons? Or uh, do you have, uh, if you can narrow it down, like what are some of your toughest, most memorable matches in, in your career? Morris, Mad Dog Bashan, he would just work. Morris was a, a baby face in Quebec and that, but he didn't care. He just went in, kicked and punched. You didn't know what was happening with Morris. You know, Mad Dog. That's how he got his name. He was Mad Dog. And now, you know, the mm-hmm. Olympic Games, well, there's the Commonwealth Games or the Empire Games. He was a medalist in that. He was a great mm-hmm. amateur. Yeah, no one knew. I well, they did know later, anyhow. But Morris was an animal in the ring. We had some great matches with those. But um, the most memorable one now, which the people know about now, against two little guys with big hearts, the Fantastics. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. we, we worked with them, and that and um, they gave that uh, Mensa gave us a five star match. It, it was a nineteen. 19- 86 Crockett Cup in in um, the New Orleans Superdome. It was us against the Fantastics in the Crockett Cup in the tag tournament. Wow! And that is, wow. that's on you. That's on you too. And that and that was one of the people talk about that match for years. You know, they mentioned that we did a lot of barbed wire cage matches with the Fantastics. And and the other two guys we did a lot of stuff with too, all over the south of um, USA was the fabulous ones, Steve Curtis, Dan Lane. Yeah, amazing, amazing, uh, legendary names. And I should mention that uh, we we uh, recently lost Jim Crockett Jr. uh, passing away recently. So God bless his soul. And Mm -hmm. he was a tremendous pioneer in in the sport of uh, wrestling, especially giving you guys the the way. Uh, on opportunities like those in the past, so it's, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another person we wrestled when he was only 350, 375, and Butcher, we wrestled him for about two months in New Zealand, was Andre the Giant. Before oh. this was well before wow. he was Andre the Giant, then, but he was this was well before he came to North America. 
he came. Uh, we came in '72 to Grand Prix in um, in Montreal. He came in '71, halfway through '71, and we'd worked with Andre uh, everywhere, you know, in uh, in New Zealand. Wow. Amazing, amazing man, Andre was. Yeah, and he was only 375 then. And one of wow. the amazing matches I saw was him and Don Leo Jonathan in the uh, Montreal Forum. And um, his Andre could drop quick, drop kick. You know, that's how big at seven three he could drop quick and uh, drop kick. And um, Don Leo was three twenty five and about six foot nine. Six foot eight, he could do kip ups. These two guys were phenomenal. For big wow. men, the match was incredible. You know, it's one of the biggest, the best big man matches I've ever seen. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. incredible. Wow. Um, last thing, what is your number one advice to people who want to get to be like you, uh, a legend and a Hall of Famer? <laughs> it's the whole, it's a different ball game altogether now. Yeah, yeah. You've got to think big, and that and may, for people today that want to get into our business and become big time, time, get a job, work hard, save up your money, save up your money, and this is if you want to go all the way, and then go to a good wrestling camp full time, train on the weights, and go to a, a school that is well known, and that and and then after that, if you go to a great name. They will get it. They will get you into WWF tryout. You know what I mean? There's a few good schools around. They've got a, a name where they get people into a tryout. But you've got to put your heart down. You know, as I said, save enough money up so you've got a year that you can spend full time trying to get into the game. And that's. But you've got to be an athlete. You've got to have a great personality to start with. You know, if you're an athlete, that's half the thing. And if you've got a good personality and charisma, you know, that's half the job. You definitely have the personality and charisma of Bushwacker. And we come from a little country which was only three million people, and that and we never dreamed that we'd get on that platform at WWF Hall of Fame. Never yeah, never even thought of that. Bushwalker, sure. do, you th- do you think me and Norbs have a chance to be a tag team champion right now if we started? I'm inching closer to 40, so I, I highly doubt it. We're both in the early 40s, so yeah, I don't know if we if it's too late or do we still have a chance or <laughs> I guess no. I don't think uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll just be like uh, uh, you know just hosts on podcasts. I don't think yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Bushwacker Luke. Uh, this has been another episode of Tea Time with Tommy. Thank you, everyone who's been listening. It thank is- you, thank you, Bushwacker Luke. Yeah, thank nice you, sir. Being on Tea Time with Tommy. I enjoyed it, guys, and um, I hope you do good. And all my fans out in Canada and whoever's listening to this podcast, remember, Bushwhacker Love, Butch loves you, baby. Whoa! <laughs>